Inside Chicago Government. ShyGov.com. Take your friends and Drinking in a cellar Welcome to another in a series of interviews about and sounds of Chicago government. I'm Dave Glowetz. In this episode, you'll hear excerpts from a June 2, 2023 meeting to update the public on reforms to the Chicago Police Department, or CPD. In this audio, lawyers from the City of Chicago and the American Civil Liberties Union clashed on the pace of police reforms that were mandated by a 2019 settlement between the city of Chicago and the Illinois Attorney General. That settlement is embodied in a legally binding document called the Consent Decree. Keeping an eye on CPD's progress regarding the Consent Decree is federal judge Rebecca Palmeyer and a court-appointed monitoring team headed by attorney Maggie Hickey. With that as background, here's the episode. My name is Jennifer Bagby, and I am the Deputy Corporation Counsel for the Public Safety Reform Division in the City of Chicago's Department of Law. And I, along with Alan Slagle, Arthur Haynes, Max Frazier, and Danielle Clayton, represent the City of Chicago in the Consent Decree matter. Also listening in today are various members of the Chicago Police Department, including Chief Angel Navales, Executive Director Tina Scahill, Managing Director Allison Clark Henson, and Lieutenant Michael Kapistanik, who were all integral and very involved in CPD's uh, consent decree uh, progress and reform efforts. As well, also listening in today is Inspector General for the City of Chicago, Deborah Witzberg, um, who is also integral to uh, reform efforts um, and, and the progress of the Inspector General and the City of Chicago. We are all happy to be with you today to listen to the comments and concerns of the community and to update the court and the public on the city's consent decree progress. The work of reform under the consent decree takes time and the hard work of reform is being carried out every day by members of the Chicago Police Department, the Office of Emergency Management and Communication, the Civilian Office of Police Accountability, the Office of the Inspector General, the Office of uh, Public Safety Administration, members of the police board, the office of the mayor, the Department of Human Resources, the Department of Law, and the newly formed Community Commission for Public Safety and Accountability. All of these departments, along with other dedicated city employees, all of whom are doing this work along with their other duties and responsibilities to serve and protect the city of Chicago. In doing the work of reform, the goal is not merely to check things off of a list quickly, but to take the time to build lasting change that will endure long after the consent decree is over. As Judge Dow often said, and as we often, or we all, I think, quoted and repeated at November's hearing, you can do things quickly or correctly, but rarely both. And it's important that we remember this as we provide this update on the city's work since we last met. It is also important to point out the time and work that is required by the consent decree, the process that no one talks about, and, a, and the process that describes what is going on behind the scenes as this work of reform continues into year five. To achieve preliminary compliance, generally, a policy must be implemented that covers the requirements of the particular consent decree paragraph. What most people don't recognize is that every Chicago Police Department policy that is required by the consent decree must be approved 
by both the monitor and the attorney general and requires community feedback and input. The approval process involves extensive review and comment as well as revision. And once the monitor and the attorney general approve the, uh, the policy, it is posted for public comment. Depending on those comments, it could require additional revision by CPD and additional review and comment by both the monitor and the attorney general before it is finalized and implemented by CPD. This process takes 60 days at a minimum and typically longer depending on the subject of the policy. Once approved and implemented, CPD policies require review every one to two years. Community engagement and input is also an integral and important part of the policy process. This can range from a two-week public posting um, after approval by the monitor and the attorney general to extensive community engagement in the development and drafting process before a policy is produced to the monitor and the attorney general. Community engagement is an important part of the process that builds in weeks to months in the process that can lead to a minimum now of 60 days to much longer timelines for significant policies such as search warrants or use of force. It's important to remember this and to point this out when people talk about the policies not happening fast enough. Secondary compliance is generally achieved through training and the consent decree requires that all trainings required by the consent decree be approved by both the monitor and the attorney general. Multiple rounds of review and comments are often required for trainings that often include not just hours, but days of instruction. And once approved, the department must then train 95% of its members to achieve secondary compliance. Since our last public hearing, CPD's policy work has included the finalization of numerous policies, including an extensive suite of policies surrounding officer accountability and misconduct investigations, the completion of two-year reviews of numerous policies, including the processing of juveniles and minors under department control, and the engagement in extensive policy review, comment, and revision on use of force policies and a sexual misconduct policy, both of which, as the Attorney General noted, are posted for final public comment and should be implemented by the end of June. CPD has also conducted extensive and ongoing policy revisions surrounding interactions with youth, as well as search warrants that has included not just regular meetings with the members of the coalition, the monitor, and the attorney general to discuss the contents of these important policies, but uh, participating in a large-scale community engagement event that was coordinated by the office of the mayor, as well as community partners at the South Shore Cultural Center. All of this policy work has been ongoing, along with numerous non-consent decree-related policy review and revisions. And it's important to note that many of the Attorney General's comments uh, in their opening remarks regarding policy development are, are somewhat misleading. The requirements of both interactions with persons with disabilities and persons with limited English proficiency are enshrined in CPD's current and implemented protection of human rights policy. And while the Attorney General is correct that the specific operational details of these principles is still in development, there has been extensive review and revision with both the monitor and the attorney general. And the city and CPD are currently utilizing a service to ensure that immediate interpretive services are available to officers on the street when necessary. Additionally, the city and CPD are developing a mechanism to certify department members as interpreters, which is also required under the consent decree. 
And likewise, the disability policies have been the subject of extensive review and comment by the monitor and the attorney general, as well as community engagement and input, because the department and the city recognize that numerous specific policies are necessary to cover this wide ranging and important area of interactions with members of the community. And finally, the body-worn camera policies have undergone extensive review and revision between CPD, the monitor, and the attorney general, as well as input from department members and the community. Since our last public hearing, CPD has been involved in extensive training development and delivery as well. CPD has completed the 40-hour in-service training program for the 2022 training year. Specifically, over 95% of department members have completed 40 hours of instruction covering the following topics. Active bystandership for law enforcement, de-escalation in response to resistance and use of force, gender-based violence, crisis intervention, curfew enforcement, foot pursuits, hate crimes, accountability, crime victim and witness assistance, First Amendment rights, the processing of juveniles and minors under department control, and traumatic incident and stress management. And while completing the 2022 in-service training program, CPD has continued to develop approved trainings for the 2023 training program, which is currently underway and includes courses on constitutional policing and de-escalation and the use of force. And beyond these CPD policy and training accomplishments, the city and CPD have achieved the following as well. As the attorney general noted, CPD um, listened to the community and concerns of the community um, in revising and considering its search warrant policies and implemented uh, in this process, the search warrant community resources and referrals pilot program. This allows for the securing of a residence following the service of the search warrant and it and connects those present with necessary social and mental health services through the coordination of multiple city entities. This is a pilot where the, the city is working to ensure that all aspects of the city are able to work for the residents of Chicago. Additionally, the police community mediation pilot program was launched through a partnership between COPA, CPD, the Office of the Mayor, and the Center for Conflict Resolution. And this pilot allows for the mediation of certain community member complaints against members of CPD and will continue through the end of 2023. Additionally, CPD has hired a full-time director of wellness to oversee and develop wellness programs and initiatives for department members. And the Office of Inspector General has maintained full compliance with all of their consent decree paragraphs and are nearing the end of their sustainment period. As well, there have been the completion of numerous required trainings by members of COPA and OEMC, and there has been coordination of hiring and promotional policies bet between the Department of Human Resources, the Public Safety Administration, and the Chicago Police Department. Finally, although a pilot program not specifically enshrined in the consent decree, um, it's important to note that there has been an expansion of alternate responses and response options through the CARE program, which is administered through the Department of Public Health. All of these achievements by the hardworking uh, city employees working on reform have led the city to reach some level of compliance with over 80% of consent decree paragraphs, according to the latest draft monitoring report. This is an increase over the monitor's previous report. And it's important that I stress that the city recognizes the important work of reform and the city is committed to 
uh, continued increased compliance as we move to more and more areas of both secondary and operational compliance. My name is Alexandra Block, and together with my colleagues from ACLU of Illinois and Equip for Equality, um, I represent the Communities United Parties in the coalition of 14 civil rights and community organizations that have enforcement rights under the consent decree. Your Honor, we were before you for the first in this series of hearings back in November of last year when you said that you intended to make sure that the public sees changes to policing in Chicago in one year. And also at that hearing, uh, you heard from the coalition and community members about the Chicago Police Department's harmful and violent home raids and search warrant executions. Since then, thanks to your efforts, uh, the Chicago Police Department is beginning to address the coalition's demands for change regarding home raids, including through the policy negotiation process that we demanded in our motion to enforce the consent decree in 2021, and uh, that Ms. Grieve and Ms. Bagby talked about briefly. However, we are six months into the one-year deadline that the court set to uh, expect significant progress on the ground, and essentially nothing has changed in how community members actually experience interactions with the police. CPD officers continue to harm people, especially Black and Brown people and people with disabilities in Chicago every day. CPD is still in compliance with only about 5% of the paragraphs of the consent decree. CPD has no apparent strategy to move toward full and meaningful consent decree compliance. And the court will hear today from many coalition and community members that the consent decree has not changed the us versus them mentality, nor the culture of racism and brutality within the police department. We part ways with counsel for the city when she says that the consent decree process merely requires more time. The city and the CPD have had four years to begin making changes and the community is not experiencing changes on the ground. More importantly, community engagement is not the reason for delays that uh, occur in CPD formulating policies. Um, The community knows that CPD um, does not sufficiently solicit their input or incorporate public feedback into um, the policy development process. As shown by the survey that Monitor Hickey highlighted, um, the community has very low uh, trust and uh, faith in the police department's ability to take community needs into, uh, into regard in their development of policy. I'll give one example. The policy on police interactions with people with disabilities that Ms. Bagby was talking about, um, the, the, the draft policy that CPD released uh, in recent months was a version from 2016, before the consent decree was even in place. It didn't incorporate any community feedback from numerous community engagement events that the CPD had held in 2020 and 2021. Activists and members of the community put extensive efforts into commenting on that um, draft policy in in prior years, and CPD ignored all of that input and simply re-released an old policy uh, with no regard for the amount of effort that the community had put into uh, trying to reform the policy relating to people with disability. That's extremely disappointing. I'll give you a few more examples of how uh, 
despite the efforts that the parties and the, the monitor have discussed working toward uh, policy revisions beyond search warrants, um, that uh, the policies just don't fulfill the fundamental goals of the consent decree. So let me give you three specific examples. The policy on interactions with young people that a, a few folks have talked about already today. Um, that, that draft policy was released in March, but it didn't include specific and concrete guidance for officers on the most important terms that are needed to achieve the goals of paragraphs 32 and 33 of the consent decree. Um, those would be detailed guidance on age-appropriate techniques for interacting with young people, and especially young people of color who likely have suffered trauma related to police and the criminal legal system and specific instructions for how officers should use their discretion to divert young people from arrest and court involvement. You also heard a little bit earlier about uh, the development of policies relating to body-worn cameras. CPD's existing policy and state law already require officers to turn on body-worn cameras every time they engage in law enforcement activities. This footage is meant to be a tool for training and accountability, but it's not written that way in policy, and it's not working that way in practice. We see countless instances where officers don't turn their cameras on or don't turn them on at the beginning of an encounter or cover up the cameras with their hands or conveniently lose the footage of critical incidents. And CPD policy as written doesn't ensure that supervisors catch officers who don't turn on their cameras. And even when officers do turn on their cameras, most of the footage is pointless because CPD policy doesn't require supervisors to watch most of it. And I'll give you a third example of how um, a policy that, that's been developed through this process doesn't fulfill the consent decree's central goals, and that's the crisis intervention policies. Paragraph 85 of the consent decree requires CPD to decrease unnecessary criminal justice involvement for individuals in crisis. But despite several revisions, uh, including with community input, CPD's crisis intervention policies don't achieve this crucial goal. They continue to prioritize arrest and hospitalization rather than diversion as the primary forms of police response to people in crisis. And worse, the crisis intervention policies don't require officers to defer to alternative response providers, and they don't provide clear directions on how to transfer an incident to an alternative non-police response when a law enforcement response uh, isn't needed. As a result of all of the issues that I've just discussed, the public sees words on paper but no real changes in how officers treat people uh, experiencing a mental or behavioral health crisis, no real changes in how officers treat young people or people with disabilities or a variety of the vulnerable populations where the goal of the consent decree specifically is to improve CPD's treatment of marginalized and vulnerable populations. So you heard from uh, Monitor Hickey earlier, a detailed discussion about the community survey that she released earlier this week. Uh, I want to highlight one additional set of results from that survey, which is that almost half of Chicagoans of all races and ethnicities were doubtful that police reform would have a lasting and positive effect. The consent decree process itself is losing legitimacy in the minds of the public. And the public skepticism is justified. The consent decree has not achieved meaningful changes. And the process has not been transparent, uh, as shown by the fact that only 15% of the survey respondents felt they were well-informed about Chicago police reform efforts over the past year. Now, as a, as a number of the other speakers have um, correctly recognized, 
We uh, have some new opportunities in the city of Chicago. We've just elected a new mayor. We will soon have a new permanent superintendent of the CPD. And we're also approaching the date when the monitor can recommend changes to the consent decree. She called this the date for the comprehensive assessment of how the consent decree is working. And we urge the city, the attorney general, the monitor, and the court to view this moment as a turning point. In the minds of the public, we are at a now or never moment. Four years into the consent decree, we should be seeing results. And by results, we mean measurable and tangible changes in how CPD treats people, and especially marginalized and vulnerable people, which is the goal of the consent decree. Specifically, we mean fewer uses of force against community members, less racial and ethnic disparity in the uses of force against community members, less racial and ethnic disparity in who gets stopped and frisked and searched while driving or walking down the street, more people diverted from arrest for low-level offenses, department-wide training and supervision to ensure more appropriate, more humane responses to vulnerable people, such as children, people with disabilities, people who speak limited English, fewer arrests and fewer uses of force against people in crisis, and a measurable increase in the number of crisis responses by non-law enforcement alternate responders. We need to see more officers being disciplined for dishonest or violent or disrespectful or discriminatory treatment of community members. We need more thorough and more consistent training and supervision of officers. And crucially, we need adoption of a true neighborhood policing model throughout all police districts that will allow officers and community members to establish partnerships and promote a public safety model that responds to community needs. These outcomes that I just listed will signal to the coalition and to the community at large that CPD has begun to change. But CPD will not change unless the mayor, the superintendent, the court, the monitor, and the attorney general force CPD to completely transform its culture and its operations. And the changes won't be seen as legitimate unless the process of achieving the changes is transparent and the parties invite the coalition and the community to fully participate. That time is now. That's all we've got for this episode. If you'd like to hear the full-length audio of the June 2 meeting, presided over by Judge Paul Meyer, and which runs a little over two hours, please subscribe at shygov.com. Or if you're already a subscriber, log in at shygov.com, go to the Chicago menu, and choose Public Safety. As always, listeners, we welcome your comments, questions, and suggestions for future interviews. Using email, you can get those to us via comment at shygov.com. Using Facebook, go to facebook.com slash insidegov. And on Twitter, find us at chigovt. I'm Dave Glowatz. Thanks for listening.